Giuliani Show. This is Rudy Giuliani back with the Rudy Giuliani Show. And we have uh, with us, as I promised, Roger Stone. Roger uh, is probably uh, the best person we could have to talk about this subject, which is going to consume the next couple of weeks and have something to do, I think, with the direction of the election and the country. And that is the battle, debate, dispute, election taking place between, in many places, Republicans who describe themselves as uh, America first. They might say Trump Republicans. Um, and then those who describe themselves or fail to describe themselves as that and are more like what we think of as the Republican in name only, the establishment corporate re- Republican. It seems well, we had that battle in, in, in Pennsylvania already. Uh, we've got it going on now four or five places. How, how's it going to come out? And then how is it going to leave uh, the party after it's over in order to defeat uh, whoever is sitting on the other side? Well, first of all, let me say it's a great honor to be on the show with one of my personal political heroes. I was a volunteer in your first campaign for mayor <laughs> against David Dinkins, a mere volunteer. And Ron Silver, a great friend. Yes, of course, Ron, great man. Great God man. bless him. Indeed. Um, there is a certain irony here because there's a certain irony here uh, that when the Republican Party nominated Mitt Romney, of course, the real conservatives hung in there for the party nominee. But when the party nominated Donald Trump, the people you're speaking about, hmm. you know, they told us that they were going to take a powder. By the way, they had no effect in that election. The energy in the Republican Party is with the America First wing. And I think that's why they dominate in the primaries. Uh, and I do think, to the extent that establishment Republicans bail out on the party in, in November, they're more than compensated for by blue-collar, Catholic, white, working-class Democrats uh, who vote Republican when we nominate the right candidates. Why does Donald Trump run 5% ahead of Mitt Romney in Detroit, in Milwaukee, in Fort Lauderdale, Miami? Five, now, you may say, well, 5%, that's not much. Well, it's the difference when you only win Michigan by 10 points. So uh, I think that, that the key here is also that the situation in the country is so dire. Gas prices, food shortages, uh, the, the prospects of another mask lockdown, uh, that, that even those Republicans who may be hesitant about some of our candidates, if our candidates aren't certifiably insane. <laughs> and in, right. in a few cases... Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, it happens, like in Delaware a couple of years yeah. ago. But if our, if our candidates are, in fact, America first conservatives, but they're credible, I think the overwhelming need to save the country in the face of creeping Bidenism will hold the party together. So which is it with Biden? Is it, is it Biden is impaired? And other people are making these uh, incompetent decisions, or he's making the incompetent decisions? Uh, I think the de facto president of the United States is his predecessor, Barack Hussein Obama. I I have been told reliably by a Secret Service agent who has proven his credibility to me in the past that Susan Rice and Ron Klain go to the Obama compound every morning at 7 for a conference call with the de facto president of the United States, wherever he may be, uh, and then the senior staff meeting starts at 745. Uh, I think Joe Biden is a figurehead. I think that he is, they, they manage him. They let him think that he's making decisions, but you can look at him. He's in, he's in no condition 
to make any decisions. What, what made me laugh a couple weeks ago was watching Lindsey Graham, who I don't care for, uh, in a video saying, well, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you got to admit Joe Biden's just the nicest, really. Every Democrat I know in the Senate, and I have friends who are in the Senate with Joe Biden who are Democrats. Yeah. None of them like Joe Biden. They always thought he was a, a blowhard, a know-it-all, epically greedy, not a well-liked guy. A nasty guy. You, right. can, you have the tapes of him uh, being a nasty guy. Not, not well-liked at all. The idea that he's a nice guy. Nobody has ever seen him, him as a nice guy. So I don't think he's running anything. I think this is the third term uh, of Barack Obama. And what happens in November? Well, uh, I guess... Does he, run, does he run again? I mean, can he run again? Well, I guess the most important thing is I'm one of those who believes that just taking control of both houses will not necessarily change the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you elect a cadre of people in both houses, a hardcore of... We don't know what the margin is. Let's say the margin is much closer than we think, which is what I think will happen. So Republicans don't win the House by 20. They win it by 10, 11. Well, then 12 stout individuals, men and women, who hang together for an America First agenda, like our friend Mike Crispy here in New Jersey, right. who, who the mayor's campaigning for today and who I'm here to campaign for, challenging Chris Smith in the New Jersey's 4th District, which is Ocean and, and uh, Monmouth counties, uh, I think that, that you, gotta, you could change the direction of history by changing the direction of the caucus. Uh, if, if 10 Republicans hang out, Kevin McCarthy won't be speaker. So you've actually told me that you think it would be better for the Republican Party if we had a 10 or 12 uh, strong group of people as a majority rather than just a very, very large group of all sorts of Republicans, you know, 20, 30, 40. We, we want an overwhelming majority, then you have rhino leadership in both houses. Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell stay in place. Uh, and they're just not prepared to confront and, and fight the radical socialist wing of the Democratic Party. They've proven it over and over again. Kevin McCarthy has already announced that, that he would not move articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. Now, we both know, based on what we've seen in Hunter's laptop, there's greater grounds to impeach Joe Biden today than there ever was to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, 100%. They're actually actually proven crimes committed by uh, Joe Joe Biden. There you go. And really, there's a very, very big 25th Amendment uh, issue about him. I actually, I've said this before, I think that after the election, uh, that his own party will remove him. Uh, under the 25th Amendment. They'll deify him on his way out the door. He's a great statesman. It's unfortunate his health just no longer allows him to do the job. And the reason Joe will go quietly is because he's going to pardon his son and his brother on his way out the door. I think that makes a lot of sense, even if they have to live with Kamala Harris. Well, she wouldn't be running the country either. So really, to my friends who say, oh my God, she would then be president, I would say two things. One, she's not... Biden's not president now. She's not really running anything. She wouldn't run anything then. She would then be entitled to appoint a vice president, but little known fact, the vice president needs to be confirmed not by just the Senate, but by the House and the Senate. So again, if the Republicans in the House and the Senate have the will not to confirm her vice president, that office would remain vacant. Then who's ever speaker would be next in line for the president. Just one last question, Roger. What do you think of the idea of making Trump speaker? <laughs> it's, not, you know, it's not the worst idea in the world because if they remove Biden and Kamala Harris is then president, if you had the will to impeach her, and I think the grounds are there as well, he could theoretically become president. It would be like drawing to an inside straight in poker. Yeah. 
67 votes is a high bar. And it does seem it gives a, has a little bit of a sneaky feeling to it. Well, also, you have to impeach her, and that's 67 votes yeah. in the Senate. It's a very high bar. Okay. Plus, I I'm think gonna... he would hate being speaker. Hate being speaker. <laughs> Could you imagine him being speaker sitting there with the... Oh, my God. Well, he, both Roger and I know him quite well, so when we're laughing, we're laughing with affection, right? We love him. So I'm going to put one, uh, one guy on before you leave, Joe from Suffolk County, because he wants to ask a question about the governor's race, and we'll see what your thoughts are. Joe, how are you? Hey, how are you? It's my, my honor. Actually, uh, Roger Stone, Mr. Mayor, pleasure. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I voted for Lee Zeldin seven times, Assembly, and then when he was congressman, and he is my congressman today. But when Andrew Giuliani came out with Curtis Lee's at a Bellport Country Club, and prior to that, listening to him, I said, he's got the it factor. I was the biggest Zeldin supporter. But now he's a boilerplate politician. When they, uh, the GOP in New York State, he basically handed his cojones to them in a bag, and that disgusted me. And I don't mean to be rude about that, but he's a rhino, uh, Zeldin, and I realized that I don't like that when they got together and they nominated him. And I said, wait, you got a good number one contender here who wants to challenge you. What are you, a coward? I don't like that. Then he wouldn't talk about, I'm a Trumpican, number one Trumpican self-proclaimed in the country when he went back and say trump's name and he he, he withered away from him. i said whoa this is, no 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 he brought you to the dance you go home with him he came out here and raised four million dollars for you in west Hampton, put you on the map and now you won't mention the man's name you go down with him that man was the greatest president we ever had so uh, you know delvin he's he's back in garbarino second district he's on top of the ticket i said are you kidding that turncoat voted for the January 6th commission. We're trying to get him out in the 2nd District at all costs. Well, and that was an extraordinary vote from a rookie congressman. He, vo- he voted. To, I mean, the January 6th commission is basically made up of all the people who lied about Russian collusion. <laughs> like yeah. Schiff. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, see, we have an extraordinary situation in America. The people who told you the Russians elected Donald Trump, the people who said Trump, uh, pardon me, Hillary did not spy on Trump, the people who told you COVID-19 vaccinations were safe and effective, the people who told you that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, they now tell you that the election was on the up and up and January 6th was an insurrection. They, they have no credibility. Let, let me speak to your question. And I, Look, I have a bias. I'm supporting Andrew Giuliani. Uh, and, I, and I must tell you, I didn't know him until recently. I got to know him over the last year or so. Uh, and I'm in, incredibly impressed not only by his grasp of issues, his energy, but also the way for a man as young as he is, the way he handles himself. He's got, he's got superb judgment. He's ready to be governor at his young age. You wouldn't normally think that, but he's actually ready to be governor. Uh, and while I think Lee Zeldin's okay, I don't dislike him right. in any way, there's no energy there. There's no spark. Uh, he looks to me, he does not look to me like he could go to Albany and tame the worst of the worst, radical Democrats who, for example, have done away with bail for violent crimes. Unbelievable. So Andy, Andrew's a fighter, uh, and I also think he's a stronger, much stronger general election candidate, much stronger. Andrew uh, polls better, uh, strangely, among Democrats and among uh, and among Jew- Jewish voters in the general election than, than, uh, than, than anyone. Well, just look, despite the fake news media's attempts to destroy the former mayor. The Giuliani name in New York is still magic. It's certainly magic in a primary. 
And I think in terms of getting to the kind of swing Democrats who will vote Republican in New York State, that's a giant asset. But at the end of the day, Andrew has to be more than just Rudy's son. And he's, pro- and he's proving that every day. I mean, I'm, I'm very impressed. And I'm a, I'm a shrewd analysis uh, uh, analyst of political horseflesh. I mean, he, he's a thoroughbred. He really is a thoroughbred. And I don't just say that because his well, old man is sitting here. With well, me. thank you, Roger. You know, the, the thing, he started over a year ago. And I told him it's your job uh, to separate yourself from me. I don't mean um, if you agree with me, you agree with me. If you disagree with me, disagree with me. You've got to separate yourself from me like you're, you're your own man. And the best way to do that, take a page from Hillary's book. Just travel all up through upstate New York. Spend the, first, the year before getting to know upstate New York. Every poll, once he's winning, once he's losing, he's always winning upstate New York. Because he went and he, he, people would come and say, oh, is he Giuliani's son? And they'd walk away saying pretty much what Roger said. No, he's his own man. He's got his own ideas. He's got a lot of his father's good qualities, and hopefully he has none of his bad, <laughs> his bad qualities. Well, thank you very, very much, Roger. I'll be seeing you a little later. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, man. While we work for another great uh, Republican victory. Great. Many thanks.